0: Welcome to Terminal Talk, our podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. We're here at Share. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, guests that we're going to be talking about and talking to. And today's guest
1: is Ed Jaffe.
2: Who, who, who is this guy, Frank? What, is, what does he do?
1: <laughs> I know he's like the rock star
2: of Share. Do you
1: remember who I work for? I you know you work
0: for Phoenix Software. Yeah,
1: I do. I'm the CTO there now. There you go. Yeah. CTO. Right and uh and i'm wearing my share socks (laughs) nice nice (laughs) yeah and and you are talking to me but i bet you will be talking about me later so (laughs) (laughs) that's what we do over the bourbon
0: later that's right all
1: right i'm i'm down with that
0: (laughs) so you've been doing this this stuff for a long time how long have you been at phoenix
1: um it's interesting we were just talking about that the other day i've been at phoenix 31 years uh as of january so 31 years, two months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, as a CTO, you're focused just on Z, or are you
1: focused? No, well, you know, we used to try to get into other areas, actually, at a time when it was real popular to try to want to do that, branch out. A lot of ISVs did that. But we sort of learned pretty quick that our core strength was Z. Now, that doesn't mean we only do that because we've modernized a whole lot of stuff. So we're writing you Know JavaScript and browsers and things like that, but they're not talking to you know some Spark uh, uh, machine or something like that, they're talking to Z, they always are. So that's what that's our focus for sure.
0: And so, is this primarily ZOS too, right? You're not doing a lot of Linux stuff,
1: uh, no, you're right, yeah, ZOS, uh, also ZVSE, we did have some ZVM uh but we, there wasn't a big enough market there so we we still maintain our software infrastructure over there but um yeah it's what what we're mostly focused on is the OS.
0: and uh, you you would think that uh that's one operating system it's a little bit limiting but you've been doing a lot of different stuff in this space right for the last 30 years
1: yeah, I mean, if you look at the whole portfolio, we've written a lot of things. We've also acquired some things, too. It's not quite as fun as writing them. <laughs> but uh, I I like to write code. I mean, it doesn't matter what my title is. They, they can call me anything they want. I'm like, I still get to write code, right? <laughs> and as long as I get to write code, that keeps me happy. So I, I do probably spend about a quarter of my time actually writing code. And, um yeah, we have a lot of different uh, 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 products that, that all operate under a, a common infrastructure. So I get the, the fun of, of working on that, on that plumbing, if you will. And, and, you know, that's fun because we just keep modernizing, modernizing. And when I say modernizing, it could be anything. It, you know, we just recently just, I mean, within the last few months, uh, put in support for R mode sixty four. So now our applications can run R mode sixty four. Relson tells me we're the only ones so far. So <laughs> oh,
2: that's, that's great. What's R mode sixty <laughs>
1: four? Oh yeah, that means when you can uh, actually execute your code above the bar. Okay. You know, there's like twenty four bit mode, thirty one bit mode, sixty four bit mode. But it has been up until ZOS two point three that even if you were A mode sixty four, meaning you could address anything your program R mode is your residency mode. That meant you still had to be below the bar up until Z O S two three. Now you can be above the bar. But there's a whole lot of uh, you know considerations for doing that. But we just we just we're kind of technology junkies, so we like <laughs> to hop on these things right away as soon as we yeah. can. So
0: So what does that buy you being able to run above the bar?
1: Well um, Honestly, at the moment, according to Peter, there's only uh, um, five services you can call. For For us, you know, it's kind of a labor of love. So we, we, um, a lot of times we'll do things that are strictly almost just for the fun of doing it. But it comes out as a line item. And, you know, if you have enough line items and people go, wow, you do this, you do that. I mean, we have some... We do low-level I.O., start I.O. kind of stuff. And probably, I don't know what kind of audience I'm talking to. Also, I don't know, is this G-rated, P, G, R? Where do I go? You can go as far as you want, and we'll fix it if we have to. Don't worry. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, I don't have any bourbon, so we're okay there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were like just one of the first ones to go a mode 64 and most of these technologies were fully zip enabled on the code we've written so i mean that's kind of sophisticated srb mode and so our our developers have to be pretty good caliber to be able to do stuff like that but a lot of these technologies the reason they're invented is because they save money or they run faster or there's something great about them and so you know that's it it pays to to try to uh, take older code, you know, you could call it legacy, whatever kind of word you <laughs> want to use. But I mean, if you modernize it, then and then it becomes like new. So um, at some point, you know, uh, R mode sixty four. The the idea would be that you're 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 that you only have two gigabytes below the bar. So if you had enough code, at some point you'd run out of space. Right. You have the exact same problem we had back in the days when XA came out. Right. Sixteen meg was just not enough for everything. Well, same problem with 2GIG, because a lot of that's common. And then so if you can actually move your programs out, then you are now freeing yourself of whatever those constraints are. Now, I'm not saying we have that much code. <laughs> but in a 2GIG address space, it is, there is a lot of common there, common code that isn't our code, right? CSA, LPA, things like that. So they're chewing up a lot of the space. So in the end, any time you can move yourself out of the way, that 's a good thing it's it's good old fashioned virtual storage constraint, really We know you know we go back to those days, my friend, you know what i 'm talking about i do yeah. I do but it 's just fun for tech junkies to do stuff like that
0: now uh, what languages do you guys write in
1: um we It depends on the product, but we write uh but that infrastructure i 'm talking about is mostly assembler. We also have C code. We also do C++, which we use in our J and I's that are called from Java. So we write a lot of Java. And by the way, Ross Morey, in 2015, I'm going to put a plug in for him because he said <laughs> that Java runs better on Z than anywhere else, and maybe even on ZOS better than anywhere else. And- it's amazing it's truly amazing when we first started we thought oh god this thing's a hog but <laughs> now it's just it it screams and you know if you have zips especially it's amazing so yeah we're doing a lot of great stuff in java we really like it that's great to hear
2: so it sounds like a lot of the tools that you're writing are kind of uh i, I don't want to try to downplay them but there's they're they're kind of small add-ons uh, addressing uh, like a an individual concern or something that's missing in the in the marketplace right well,
1: yeah, there. I mean, you know, there are things that people can use for their development environments, you know, something that opens up a black box and gives you uh, visibility to what's going on inside, helps you control and manage your system and things like that.
2: Right. I'm, I'm curious, how do your tools uh, integrate with like the existing ZOS maintenance stream? How do you make sure that, you know, as a change happens to the core operating system, it doesn't bump something out of place or start screwing with it?
1: Um, uh, we, we, we get uh, – we, we're partners with IBM, and we get a copy of the new operating system long before it comes out in public, and sometimes even the new hardware. We, we were in the Z13S ESP, which was our first uh, – so far only, but I hope not our last uh, – <laughs> hardware ESP, but we've been doing early programs for software since ninety four. So we're ready. I mean, by the time customers are going to ZOS, ESP, we're. we're I mean, we may not be fully done, but we're uh, tolerating everything by then. So yeah, we make sure. Uh, and and when and even in the field, if they release stuff into the wild, they're pretty good about uh, giving ISVs early copies of APars and anything that's going to maybe change something a lot. And we stay really current on maintenance. Right. I and mean, we put it on, like, you know, every week. And oh, that for a company our size, every week's pretty, you know, wow. I mean, we'd yeah. do it every day if we could.
2: <laughs> that would make the, uh, the mainframe hackers very happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those zero-day exploits, you know. But it, the only problem is I heard today that IBM doesn't, doesn't put those fixes into that, into that stream necessarily. So uh, you really need the ones on the, on the security portal. Right. So, yeah.
2: You have to download it to your PC. And yeah. You exactly. That's a secure. 7Z. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I had a laugh at that. But I, I have a feeling you could probably uh, whip up a quickie curl script and pull it down right onto your mainframe. Uh, I'll bet you could do that. You wouldn't have to go through. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah, want to do it.
0: There has to be a better way. Right.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm such a bigot for the mainframe that our install does not. I, I basically said we can't rely on any third-party product to uh, install our products. And third-party, any off-platform, that means Windows. So you you can. It's optional if you want, but mostly everything can be done just from you know you could pull it straight off our system straight onto yours install it all there we're working on those actually we have a really beautiful ZOSMF installation workflow right now that you can you know step by step through and install and it's very cool stuff so and and that doesn't require windows i mean it does require a browser but technically that could be any operating system and and in theory, uh, you know, you could even use links if you, if you wanted to. <laughs> and somebody will. Somebody will. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna, there's going to be
2: somebody configuring the mainframe through, like, a web TV or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. You said uh, you you write code in Assembler and C and C++ and Java. And, uh, how much would you
1: say it is Assembler in that, right? Uh, well for us um you mean in terms of lines of code or yeah, percentage you know, wise
0: is it is there is there still a lot of assembler development i would say guys? the
1: majority of what we have is assembler language code yes our our uh, that infrastructure that i was talking about is really all assembler and then we have apis to that which make it callable from from other other languages but unfortunately it's not le enabled it's like a proprietary kind of a thing so um you know, we have we had to build those interfaces to be able to have it callable externally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... And, hey, I live and breathe assembler language. I'm not... I'm proud of that fact. Right. I love assembler language. Right. Are you going to
2: tell your joke? It's a
1: self-documenting language. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, some of these other languages... I mean, I've learned a bunch of languages recently. And uh, so many of the ones... When I was learning, we had things like Besides Assembler, we had BASIC, we had COBOL, we had FORTRAN, and we had PL1. And they all had their own personalities. I mean, they were all completely different. And then uh, now that I see these uh, languages coming in from off-platform, it looks like the same guy got tired of C and wrote a new version of something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're all so really similar. Right. Except for Java. Java is the one that is kind of different. Uh, but it's also a very ironic, funny language, because it's the language which no, with no pointers yet. The worst exception you can get, the most common one, is it's the Java null no, no pointer exception. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But, so,
0: so um, a large proportion of what you do is in in assembler. It is, and and you, I'm sure, put out code like a machine. But how do you get new skills to do
1: that? So, right at the moment, um, as a matter of fact, I was just talking to Meredith Stoll about this because we're. At a point now where um, we want to try to uh, bring in some young people. That's what we're thinking we want to do. And uh, because it's getting harder and harder to find, you know, more and more people are retiring. And so we're fortunate in that we live pretty close to Cal State Dominguez Hills, which has a mainframe program. So uh, this will be my first attempt at it. So they, to answer your question, I don't really have a good answer here because I'm getting ready to go try it. You have plans. But I have plans. I, I do intend to talk to those guys and see you know, what's going on over there, um, You know, speak to some students or whatever, and maybe try to uh, hire a pair in and uh, do some training and mentoring and, and that sort of thing. So I, I hope that works out because... Otherwise, I could be hiring somebody that, that, you know, by the time I get him trained up, he's ready to retire. (laughs) No, I mean, but I'll die with one foot in the grave. So if somebody tells me, one foot in the grave, one hand on the keyboard, right? So if somebody tells me, look, man, I'm going to work until I'm dead. Well, I'm okay with that. I mean, as long as that's their that's their direction in life, <laughs> I don't discriminate against on age. Do,
2: do you think it's really important to have somebody have a a mainframe background when they come in, or is that something they can pick up as long as they have like an assembler background, or, uh, or at least the the knowledge to? Or the want we've to learn we've had
1: it. people come in that had um, VSC backgrounds, and then they were able to learn, you know, ZOS and that sort of thing, and. So I'm not sure. I, I, would, I would think that uh, e- even another assembler language uh, off-platform would be yeah. okay, but those are really hard. Oh, my gosh. I've tried <laughs> to, you know, I used to pl- uh, actually write some uh, 8086. Uh, I also did some uh, Motorola 68000 mm-hmm. uh, assembler language programming. That was good. Those were pretty good, but, but now it's really gotten harder. I mean, the, the opcodes, there's so many prefixes on that, it's really meant to be emitted only by C, and and not really hand coded like oh wow like the IBM uh, mainframe is. Yeah, it's easy to hand code IBM mainframe assembler. Much harder to do some of these other platforms.
2: Wow, you heard it here. It's easy to hand code IBM assembler machine code. It's
0: it's easier. What I heard <laughs> is it's easier to program
1: on the mainframe. That's, that's yeah <laughs> it, well i think it is <laughs> well i love this platform i i'm so bored by the other ones really if this one ever died out i think i don't know what i'd do maybe i'd become a greeter at walmart <laughs> no offense to our friends at walmart well, that's a good segue into our next episode actually.
0: but I, it's really kind of important that people understand that uh assembler is is not an impossible skill and there's a lot you can do once you, once you get over that hump of learning it, and on the mainframe there are so many really cool things you can do when you when you have that much control.
1: That is absolutely true. I mean, and I, I think I grew up at a good time uh, in history because I got to see and understand things at a hardware level. We had even the the, the uh, entry level programmer had to understand. Uh, how to do blocking and things like that to make your programs efficient, you know, the I.O. and so forth. And nowadays, you know, you could be very, you could find yourself very divorced from that. But Assembler, we've also tried to make ours very modern. We use that, uh, stru- the structure programming macros that IBM has. I actually modified those at one point to make them really good. And IBM uh, accepted virtually every one of my mods, so it. So I, I feel a certain amount of uh, pride and authorship in that. And John Ehrman uh, was instrumental in doing that. So it was John Dravniak, Both of those guys, and so that makes it a lot easier because it's all structured, right? It's all do's and ifs, then else's, and things like that. You don't have. We don't jump to labels in our code. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we only call labels. Subroutines start with labels, but otherwise. Um, it looks great. And then I wrote a, 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 an exit to high level assembler that allows you to have free form. So you're not limited to those, to the columns that you might otherwise be. And so I think our assembler that we're writing rocks, you know, it's like, and, and by the way, some of the ISVs have, have borrowed that and have told me they're using that in their, in their, um, uh, organizations. Uh, Rob Scott from Rocket Software told me they were using that in MXI and, and some others, too. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, we've just made Assembler even better than, <laughs> than what, it, what it would otherwise be. It's a great language. Right. It really well, and it, and it must be kind
0: of cool to feel like uh, what you've done, uh, especially in these last few years, has such a big impact on the industry, especially that mainframe industry. Uh, do you do you see yourself as an innovator in that, or is it just uh, it's just the love of fixing the or playing with the, the
1: problems? You know, I mean, yeah. I, definitely innovation comes you have sparks of insight and things like that and you, and there's no doubt that that i i feel like i've done some of that but i'm not going to sit here and, and pat myself on the back by any means if you get somebody else in here that wants to do that, uh, that that's fine i'll listen to that podcast too <laughs> but uh no it's just the fun of doing it you know what i mean we it it, it is a um it's a labor of love Every, everybody that works at Phoenix has at least or most of the people that are there are at least 10 years some 20 some 30 and and because we're just having fun we're just rocking and rolling over there and just we just love doing it and so you know we work late we work long hours <laughs> work weekends and, it, and it's all voluntary you know what I mean just because it's fun to do so we have a great very cool opportunity for like hands-on the the uh, hardware <clears throat> we have a Z13S just sitting in our computer room, and it's, the computer room is only about twice as big as this room. Wow. But there's a DS8870, and, you know, if I want to put patches on them, I do. You know, I could fool around with the HMC or anything I want to do. It's all there, and anybody can, you know. And then we just we install our own operating system so we know how sysprogging works. And we don't profess to be professional sysprogs, by the way. <laughs> we just play them on TV. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I just love that whole hands-on environment, and the mainframe's a great platform, so we're super, super enthused about it all the time.
2: It kind of reminds me, uh, what you were talking about reminds me of what I've seen on, like, Halt and Catch Fire, when they're talking about, like, the earlier days of the IBM PCs. And... I love that show, <laughs> man. <laughs> Is that yeah, what you going totally. for? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we didn't even see that show when we were starting all this <laughs> right. stuff, but uh, Cameron Howe's pretty hot, so yes. I like Yes. No, I I think that show's pretty accurate. You know, I think it's very accurate. Every once in a while when,
2: when we we're watching it, you know, my wife and I are watching it all up we sort of like, wait, is that real? And I'm like yes, people do get into fights over you know, over that kind of thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um so you're 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 a big name here at Share, you know, you're you're the rock star here. What kind of session what do you look for in a session when you're trying to decide what you're how you're gonna spend your time here? Um <sighs> I, or are you like Bob and you only go to your own sessions? No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs>
1: I actually, for me, the sessions that I'm looking for is mostly to go to something I don't know. Yeah. I try to go to things I don't know um, because I, first of all, I have gotten to a point at Share. I wear, you know, this program manager ribbon right here, this neon green, and that basically means that my the opportunities I have to actually go to sessions have dwindled down to quite a small number. So if you see a green badge in your session, <laughs> yeah, it's a compliment. It, it, it is. It's and I go f- to um, support people, obviously, that especially people that are doing their first presentations and things like that. I think this is a great community here, mm-hmm. and we're very welcoming, and we want to. Try to help everyone succeed and become a part of this whole thing, and so um, you know. So there's a lot of moral support that goes into it, but honestly, um, otherwise I would go to something that I don't know, you know, and just try to learn something.
0: Yeah, well, it's an important thing that you bring up. I, I, Jeff and I go to a lot of conferences. We we we're on the circuit, and and there really is something different about Share in that it's it's a very tight community of people there is a lot of support it's almost as social as it is technical and and you don't really see that a lot in you know in a lot of the conferences that we go to people you know will talk to each other but there's there's something much more friendly about being at share there's a much more of a community and and tightness about the people that are here that you just don't see in other places
1: well, and share is volunteer run, so I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, the 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 folks on the board of directors aren't getting paid. You know, they're they're share volunteers who work their way up over however long it is. There's no no magic number. You've been working your way through the projects at a certain point, and now you can hit the board. You know, some people <laughs> go straight to the board almost, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're all volunteers. Uh, everybody through the program and projects and uh, all the way up through the board. So, I, you know, it's, it's a user group at heart, and I think that's what, what gives it that character. And, you know, you go out to a project dinner with everyone, and it's just, you know, it's a family. It really feels like a family. And we like, though, uh, bringing new people into the family. You know, it's, it's not... I think someone told me that years ago it was real cliquish or something like that, but I never felt that way. Honestly, I came to my first share in... Um, I'm gonna say 92. Um, it's terrible that I can't remember the exact date. <laughs> I must be giving something away there as my age because I say it's 92. But anyway, I think it was 92. And uh, and right away, I, I you know I just started getting involved and talking to people, and no one ever acted like I didn't belong there. Um, and we certainly try to to be that way and 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 want to bring new people in and anyone that wants to volunteer. Believe me, we have something for you to do. <laughs> ninety-two. Uh, how old were you in ninety-two? John?
2: I know I'm getting older because when I hear nineteen ninety-two, I immediately think, oh, eight years ago." And you, can't, you can't exactly do that that math anymore. No. no. <laughs> how how do you see uh, ch- uh, share changing um, year after year?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question. You know, share has really. For a while there, they were, it seemed like they were very stuck in their ways, and they didn't mm-hmm. want to uh, uh, change with the times, if you will, or modernize some things. And, but I think there's been a, a real resurgence, a real new sort of a renaissance in thinking, and a lot hap- had maybe, I think, a, a lot of the credit maybe goes towards Smith Buckland and, and Donna Hootie. When she came in in Pittsburgh, she was kind of like a breath of fresh air. But also the board at that time had a desire to try to really make share relevant. And and I think 2008, uh, there was a big crash at that time, you know, the Great Recession or whatever people want to call it. And um, at that point, that created a lot of financial challenges. So people started thinking, okay, what do we really need to do? You can't just sit on your laurels at that point. You have to really try to do something cool and if you go to share now and you see these uh the way these um uh general sessions work the keynotes all the av that's in there all the fun stuff they're doing you know playing jeopardy and and you guys winning and losing and whatever you know the dating game uh, what do they call your game though the newly, newly hacked, hacked game, game. Yes. The, the newly hacked yes. yeah okay right and uh by the way if i win the lottery I'm going for a Tesla too. I have an electric car now.
0: Oh, do you really? Yeah,
1: I do. And uh, but the Tesla is a little out of my price range. Yeah, it's a little above my impulse purchase buying level. <laughs> so I just decided, you know, I'm going to hang in there until they maybe come down in price, price. or I or I win the lottery. So. <laughs> but that's that to me. That's like kind of the new share. I feel like they are trying to be fun. They've got hoopla going on this time, you know, are gamifying t- Are we supposed stuff. to say hoopla now? I don't know. I, okay. I, I,
0: I wasn't part of that. Yeah, let's yeah. not. <laughs> but anyway,
1: they're gamifying things. They oh, was a leaderboard. A, a great team. Yeah. <laughs> Giovanna <laughs> put together that leaderboard. So, you know, it, it's they're really trying to make things fun, and and it is fun. I mean, it was always fun, but I think now it's just getting more fun, and I, I think it makes it more um you know easier for for people that haven't been around a long time to maybe get involved and start having a good time and and not have to necessarily know everybody to to start to laugh and have a you know start to have fun
0: <laughs> is there um you know you've been here since 92 is there anything that's changed that you miss
1: from the early days of share
0: you know uh, yeah, skids. <laughs> yeah, skids.
1: Does, does anybody know what the heck that stands for?
0: Simultaneous conversations in diverse subjects.
1: Skids. Wow. You pulled that right out. Right out of a hole. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> and then he goes like this and puts it's it back. Thing, yeah. <laughs> what wow. did you avoid learning so you can remember that? <laughs> so, yeah, skids. <laughs> I mean, we have receptions. I like the fact that the receptions now are in the trade show. Because the we can't understate the value of, of the vendor participation, the money that they spend. We want folks to spend as much time with them as they can to make sure that, you know, that they have a, a, a good experience and want to continue to be supporters of SHARE. So, uh, but yeah, we used to have those giant ballrooms mm-hmm. and, well, and they had a big smoking section over on one side. Right? I used to go over there, you know, <laughs> that was me back in the day. But... Um, Gosh, what do I really miss? I I have to say I don't miss the jazz two sing along. <laughs> I know some people do, and if then if you're listening to this, and you know maybe you hate me right now, but I never was a big fan of that. Even though I did write a song for the songbook, did you really? I did. I have a song in the songbook, so it's wow. the only jazz three song in the songbook. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I like the the idea of having people in the expo center as well. I think. The thing about skids that was always to me a little off-putting was that uh, people of the different groups would kind of go off at their own tables and you hung out with your own people, which really doesn't happen now, right? There's a, there's much more of a, a mingling of interests. And I think that's much better if you're trying to to grow a community and build out a set of skills. Um, it keeps you from being so entrenched in a particular way
1: of doing things. Yeah. Uh, also, yes, it used to be that when you did scheduling, uh, at, when, when not scheduling, but uh, as an attendee looking through the schedule, what you would do is you would first go to your area of uh, the discipline that you were interested in. So you would go to MBS or you would go to Kicks, or you would go to DB2 or whatever, and then choose your your sessions. Now, that that structure still sort of exists underneath the covers, but you really don't. It's not being presented to you quite that way anymore, and I think it makes a difference when you, when you go into the the app and you bring it up by day and time. You're looking at just the sessions in that time slot. It's not uh, trying to direct you to any particular one, and and it helps you. Uh, you know, be exposed to everything that's out there and, and I'll just look at it when I have a little bit of free time And go, hey, that looks pretty cool You know, and these days I like all these hacking things I, I used to be kind of a a Hacker type of a guy When I first learned, you know So, uh, uh, all I had was uh, basic Fortran and P O one a, on a call OS system that was on a teletype, you know. <laughs> but we figured out that the you could use those PL one pointer variables to dig through storage and print out control blocks and stuff oh, like wow. that. And, and then a friend <laughs> of mine wrote an assembler and an executor that would, in Fortran, believe it or not. And so we were, we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff in high school, taking down our, our uh, other high schools, uh, you know, locking them out. <laughs> wow, we you're were, do, you were war we, we were terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we weren't exactly uh, – it wasn't global thermonuclear war. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we were just having some fun, you know. And uh, So I, I kind of like that, that, that there's an interest in that now. Uh, but on the white hat side, you know, these guys are trying to help protect our, our systems. I think that's real important.
0: Now, you, you just talked about the fact that you really started programming in high school. Yeah. And then you did computer science in college or math? No, or?
1: actually, I'm actually self-taught. Really? I, yeah. I, I am. I taught myself. I bought. <laughs> I didn't live that far from the IBM Central Library, <laughs> and I bought all kinds of IBM manuals on, on you know, uh, all the MBS books, all the, you know— uh, services guides authorized and and whatnot and i could never get authorized i kept trying to i wasn't one of those guys that was cool enough to figure out how to how to create an exploit like that so um but you know maybe i would have got put in jail back then i don't know Uh, but but i i was always super interested in all that stuff and and really taught myself and um so i'll tell you a little bit of a story so what it was is i was in i was in I did go to college. I was working. The, I was there part time. I was working, and I had a. Um, I, I decided to take a PL one class, a language I had already taught myself in high school. So, because I needed the credits, right? And I thought, well, this is going to be easy because I already know this language. So I so go to this class, and then the instructor he, he put this huge thing up on the board. You know, this this uh, a, a subroutine that was like twenty statements long or something, trying to teach something. And I raised my hand, and I said, you know, you could actually do that in, like, one statement. <laughs> well, the guy got upset with me, and he's like, all right, Mr. Jaffe, why don't you come on up here and show everybody? And I'm like, great. So I go up there, and I have to think about it a bit, cause, and finally, but I do. I figure it out. I put one statement. Well, he gets mad at me, and he says, well, the purpose of this is not to demonstrate the you know, least number of lines. It's to demonstrate all these various things. So anyway, I sit back down. I decided I got, had a job selling fireplaces <laughs> at Bromwell's Fireplace Shop. I was playing in bands, right? I don't know if you know I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Playing bass, singing, writing songs, having a good time. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call. And, it, and it's this guy. He's working a contract for the government. And they're doing it in PL1. And they said, do you know any PL1 expert? And he goes, you know couple of years back i knew this dude and i saw him walk up to the and so he calls every jaffe in the phone book until he comes across my dad and he goes yeah that jaffe lives here and i'm like i don't even remember this guy hardly but anyway that was my first like real Real job yeah and i'm like and then he tells me how much they want to pay me and i'm like wow, somebody wants to pay me, like, five times what I'm making now to do what I actually like to do, which is just fool around with computers. So it's been like that ever since. You know? Wow. And the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> Who would you like to play you in the movie on Life? Everybody says I look like Mark Ruffalo. There you go. But oh, yeah. yeah I <laughs> you see that. I have a good story about that, too, but I don't think that's appropriate for this. <laughs>
2: Um, before we wrap, do you have anything else you want to ask? No. Okay. Before we wrap, do you have like a
1: website or a Twitter you want to plug? You know, I, I'm a, a an Instagram kind of a guy. Okay. I went to like 11, over 11,000 followers on Instagram. Ah. But also, I've started trying to play around with tweet, uh, Twitter and stuff like that. But if you go out and look for at sign soul Eddie J, uh, that's me. And S-O-U-L? S-O-U-L-E-D-D-I-E-J. Okay. Soul Lady J. All right. We'll we'll hopefully
2: (laughs) add dozens of new
1: followers to you. Yeah. I know you guys are really going to pad my numbers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we really want to thank you for spending this time with us. This has really been awesome. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Anytime. Old man Charlie, (laughs) run us out. (laughs) You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.